Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Cores and Courts. It is your host, Sean Cavanaugh. I'm going to start off today with a quick little review of my band's brand new album, Music of the Spheres. That is, of course, Coldplay. Um, some of you like them. Some of you might think they're washed, big, you know, pop stars, whatever, and be like, oh, your favorite band is Coldplay. And there's like a certain attachment to that. Well, I don't care because Coldplay is amazing. And if you haven't seen them live, don't talk to me because they're completely different. We'll open your eyes. And although they have gone a little bit commercial at times, you know, doing that song that we won't speak of with the Chainsmokers, that I, even I will give you that one. That one's pretty annoying. But besides that, this band is amazing, and there's a reason they're still doing it. This is their ninth studio album. So I just want to go a little bit in depth, track by track, quick recap of what I thought. Overall impressions, when I first started listening to it, definitely not my favorite Coldplay album. They released, I mean, there's only 12 songs, three of which are little instrumental interludes so it's really kind of you're dealing with nine songs here and one of which of those nine is pretty much an instrumental and of those they released three before the album even came out and me being a massive Coldplay fan I'd even heard snippets of other ones from some of their promotional uh, live shows they've done so far and fan recordings on YouTube and stuff so I had heard pretty much most of the album already which is a little disappointing but that's what happens when you're a crazy fan and you spoil it for yourself aside from that leading into it though of everything I heard, I was very optimistic, and I liked most of it. Higher Power, of course, was the first single. Definitely super, super poppy. You knew the direction they were going. They kind of have been doing this thing lately where they go a little bit of a darker, more somber album to as bright and happy as possible and colorful, then back to a little bit of the dark and more acoustic sounding and a little bit more experimental, then back to we need a massive stadium tour, let's throw butterflies on everything which again is not a bad thing but this one is definitely the most poppy album they've done so far no question about it they're definitely going for those big stadium filled stadium filler anthems they're going for the pop smashes and of course that comes from the producer max martin who is a legendary producer has worked with taylor swift beyonce you name it if you just go look up his number one singles it's absolutely unreal the amount of um just pop hits that guy's created and produced he has, they call it the Max Martin machine. He has a formula. He knows what hits, what the ears, what our human ears love to hear. And he knows how to write a good pop song. And he's done it time and time again. And he was basically like the fifth, sixth band member, depending on how you view Coldplay, uh, for this album. And he produced everything, had his hands on almost every song except the last one, which apparently he, well, I'll get to, but just had a little bit to do with that one. And it turns out that was my favorite song. So... But going back to Max Martin, you can tell his production um, touches on this everywhere. And I think that was one of the highlights of this. So there's a lot of cons to the album, but there's a lot of pros as well. And as I've listened to it, I've liked it more and more. And the biggest pro is the production. It's immaculate. If you listen to it with a really good pair of ed- uh, headphones, or if you listen to it just in your car, like I went and did the archaic thing of buying the CD, which has completely changed the listening experience. And you can hear just every little layer. And that's not something you got a lot with Coldplay songs. One of their biggest uh, criticisms is that they're you know, not the best musicians. Or a lot of their music is great because it 
creates an emotion with you, but they're not, you know, the best musicians. They don't have the best producers. Brian Eno, the legendary producer, worked on Viva La Vida, but aside from that, they've had people like Stargate and stuff where it sounds not as clean. It sounds a little bit more mushed together, and they're more just relying on Chris Martin's amazing voice and creating, you know, that Johnny Buckland great guitar riff that just creates a good song and creates that emotion. It's not so much the impressive musically and this one is different than that because the production is insane the musicality of this album the layers just all the things the the noises and sounds and instruments they usually wouldn't use they definitely brought in for this and of course that comes from their inspiration for this album being a bunch of alien worlds together each song is supposed to represent a different planet in this world that they created where music is banned from whatever there's some big tyrant that's kind of the concept of the album and so this is all the little planets and there's a dj called la freak who plays music on her alien radio basically like pirate radio playing music for the people because music unites everyone and the whole idea of this album is everyone is an alien somewhere which you can hear is played backwards in one of the interludes of the songs which i'll get to but the whole idea is just everyone is different but we're all together in the same we're all human and you look at kind of this mass projection of aliens in different worlds, and that's kind of what Coldplay is saying with this album. And all that comes together with the music because Max Martin brings in all these different noises which are alien to most Coldplay songs. You know, you think of the piano and guitar and crying alone in your room, that's what people listen to Coldplay for. This album is the exact opposite of that, and Max Martin had a huge amount to do with that. So. Overall opinion, in the beginning, I didn't really love it. I was a little disappointed. The first listen with headphones was amazing. I, like I said, I heard the production, heard a couple songs, like, wow, that one was good. And then it go to the next one and be like, ah, oh, that one was okay. And then the next one would be good and that one was okay. Then I went and bought the album, like I said. I went back to the early 2000s, went to Target, bought an actual physical CD, put that in my car. One of the few perks of having a car that doesn't have all of the cool features and stuff is I still have a CD player in it. And it sounds amazing. Initially, I thought the interludes were kind of out of place. It seemed a little disjointed. It didn't flow like an album, which is something, you know, because Coldplay's a little older, they still think of. They still think of the album as a, a whole complete thing that flows from beginning to end. It's not just, you know, the singles that people are putting out nowadays or just an album is just a compilation of singles. They want to think of it as one whole project. And I thought they kind of missed the beat on that. And then when I heard it on the CD, it flows so much better. All the interludes make sense. It sounds so much cleaner. It was, it's already growing on me. Every time I listen to it, I realize like, oh, that song is going to be amazing live. That song is going to be amazing live. And that one just makes me feel something. That one makes me feel something. So it's definitely rising up. I'll get to where it ranks amongst the Coldplay albums, but Initially, it was a little hesitant, and now I think this album's really, really growing on me. But of course, because it's Coldplay and they're my favorite band, I was never going to hate it. So let's just start with the first track, Music of the Spheres 1, represented by a little planet emoji. If you're looking at the track list on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, they throw little emoji titles in there, just, you know, really hit with the Gen Z. And Music of the Fears 1 is basically going to be like the intro. Coldplay loves to do this where they have these instrumental sounds that kind of lead into the song and usually they'll use it to start their tours with so like the show will probably start with this song i think guy berryman the bass player uh said in an interview that that's pretty much going to be the case that's what the song was written for and i like this one of all the interludes i think this one's my favorite just kind of sets the the setting you know like they said throws you in that kind of alien space type of feeling puts you out of your body a little bit and then goes right into higher power which, of course, is the, the uh, lead single for this album. It's been out for a while. Super, super catchy song. Some people hate it. Some people love it. 
I think it's not the best highlight of the album by far. It's definitely super catchy and I like it and I'll definitely be singing along anytime it comes on. It's not anywhere close to the most annoying Coldplay pop song, but it's definitely super, super poppy. This was the first time you heard Max Martin's production right in your face and it's super, super clean and the the instruments are good. The chorus is the best part when it uh, be, builds up to the end, that extra chorus with that you know extra energy and extra emphasis uh hits a little bit harder than the rest of the song that kind of saves it for me and then we go to the second the third track technically humankind one of the best songs on the album john hopkins is on this one a little bit more involved than max martin was a great chorus another song that's going to just be amazing live i think this one hits a little bit better than higher power even though the lyrics are maybe just as cheesy there's just something to the way chris martin sings the word human that's so catchy just sticks with you the beat to this one's amazing. Again, they mix in a few instruments that they probably wouldn't use, some synths, and there's like some chimes in there, which is, you know you never think of using wind chimes in a Coldplay song. And I think John Hopkins' influence, who's a producer, kind of overmatches or takes a little bit away from it's not as Max Martin-y on this one. It's a little bit rougher around the edges, which I kind of like. And, you know, it's a little bit more basic, just it's an expression of Chris Martin probably had this idea of, you know, everyone calls us they call us humankind because humans can be kind it's like this little cheesy corny idea but he makes it into something that you start believing in just because of his voice really stands out on this one it's so vulnerable it always sounds so vulnerable even when it's singing behind a huge poppy type of chorus so i really really like humankind one of the standouts of the album i think if going on Coldplay's reddit and stuff like that this is a uh, an early fan favorite for most people out there one of the best ones of the album um, I definitely think, I don't know if it's the my favorite song. If I had to pick right now, it probably isn't, but it's really, really close. I'll get to my favorite song later, but if it's not number one, I think it's number two on this album. Then we go to track number four, Alien Choir, another interlude. This one, if you listen to on Spotify, sounded like a little off. And like the first listen, I was like, this doesn't really fit. But it actually, going back, it's 50 seconds long, so it's not too long. It's a short, short little uh, instrumental. It actually doesn't lead perfectly into the next song, the one with Selena Gomez, Let Somebody Go, but it just stands, sounds really nice standing on its own. So not the best interlude because they're usually meant to transition, you know, fill that dead space of an album leading to the next one, but by itself, it sounds really pretty. So now we'll go to track number five, Let Somebody Go, with, there's actually some vocals from Chris Martin's kids, of course, everybody knows Apple, and Matt uh, Moses, his son. So I think they actually got a lot of the the younger um, children of the band members to do some of the background vocals, which is really cool. The song is a classic Coldplay song. Kind of sounds like, if you're really familiar with their stuff, um, Fun, the song they did with Tuvlo or Everglow. It's just a cla- maybe some of the stuff off of Ghost Stories. It's a classic love song ballad that's just... It is what it is, right? It's a simple love ballad. The one interesting part of this, of course, is Selena Gomez is picked as the female voice to kind of duet, which I think is necessary. It's beautiful. But Selena, love her as a person, love her as an actress, whatever. As a singer, her voice is just always falls a little flat for me. Um, you can tell it's super edited. She doesn't have you know, the most standout voice. I wanted something, someone with like a little bit more of a vulnerable voice, maybe a little bit higher pitched, kind of, you know, Maybe some Chelsea Cutler vibes or Ellie Goulding singing her falsetto on this would have been amazing in the same way. I think Selena's vocals sound okay, but they're not what could have been, what could have put this song over the top. Another interesting note on this, Metro Boomin 
helped produce this song. So it's kind of funny. Metro Boom and Coldplay, not a collab you would expect. It would have been hilarious if this, you know, the interlude from this goes into and then like in the background you just hear Metro Boomin, like his producer tag. <laughs> Once some more, that would have been hilarious, but definitely not a fit. This is kind of sh- where Coldplay can be like, hey, we want you on the song, but no one's really going to know about it unless you really read into the details. Like you don't get your producer tag. We're Coldplay. Like you're just lucky enough to be on this song. So this song has been streamed a lot. It was pretty high up the charts on Spotify. I guess that's, you know, with Selena Gomez being such the name that she is, she has a huge following no matter what she does combined with Coldplay. Maybe this one ends up on the radio. Maybe this is a song that has a little bit more lasting power. But just initially, every time I listen to it, the lyrics hit home for sure. I mean, that's a feeling we can all relate to, of course. When you love someone, you got to let them go. You know, that's a cliche for a reason. And the song is really beautiful in that way, but something just falls a little bit flat. I'm not sure if it's Selena's vocals or it's just kind of a bit of a slow song. Maybe needed a bit more of a stronger chorus or something that just hit a little bit more at the end, something we build to that would have put this one over the top. Because Coldplay is so good at the love ballad that they have so many other ones that I can think of that are just better than this. So this one kind of mid-tier for them. Not one of the highlights of the album for me. Next track, Human Heart. Represented by a little heart emoji with uh, We Are King and Jacob Collier. Jacob Collier is an amazing producer. He's done some stuff. Um, if you go listen, he's collabed with a bunch of bunch of people. He's an amazing producer. He's won a bunch of Grammys. Probably a name that you haven't heard of. But he's just so good in his vocal production. Almost kind of like a sort of Frank Ocean vibes in production where his songs just sound like a space. So he kind of transports you to somewhere else. Amazing, amazing talent. Young guy, if you don't know about him, definitely go look him up. He's collaborated with Coldplay a little bit before on their last album, Everyday Life. And this one definitely feels like him. He's the one that did all the layering. And you could tell this is just a simple, almost gospel choir song where the songs are just so layered together with uh, Jacob's vocals and then we are king who brings in the female vocal who i'd never heard of until this song their vocals are absolutely beautiful as well then of course chris martin can pretty much harmonize with anyone and this is a perfect harmony there's not a lot of instrumentation to it um in that same interview the bassist guy Behrman said they had a very short snippet and this was going to be sort of an interlude and the drummer will champion told chris no let's make this a whole song push them to add a couple of verses jacob made the production collier made the production and then Guy Barron was like, let's not even add any instruments. You know, kind of had to take a step back. Him and the guitarist, Johnny Buckland, and the drummer, Will Champion, were like, this song is good as it is. It's very simple. It's mostly just the voices and those harmonies. And it just sounds beautiful. And I think this song is up there in just emotion, like the emotional rawness and the power. Even though the lyrics are really simple and it's a shorter song, it just makes you feel something. It kind of, you know, it's one of those songs where you're listening to it and no matter what played before, as soon as this one comes on, you start looking out the window a little bit if you're driving or riding on a bus and you start thinking about other things that you didn't even know you were thinking about that kind of all just hit you at once. And this is one of those songs. This is the power of Coldplay. This is the best thing they do. Like I said, they're not the best musicians. They don't have, you know, the most clever lyrics or the greatest guitar playing or the best drummer in the world, but they always have the way to make you feel. And this is one of those songs that just out of nowhere, you don't even know what the words are sometimes in the beginning. It's such a simple line of only have a human heart, only got a human heart. You know, it's very repetitive, but it just makes you feel something. And that's the beauty of it. And I think one of the highlights of this album. Then we do a complete 180 
to basically like a muse type of song where they have this amazing guitar riff. They took a verse from um, this little snippet of a song called The Man Who Swears that they had from the Viva La Vida uh, studio sessions that never made the album that they finally did something with and they put it here on People of the Pride. And this song is definitely the most rock song. Definitely hits the hardest. Um, has a sample, which I did not know, of Black and Gold by Sam Sparrow. I went and listened to it. It's a pretty, you can like kind of hear it. It seems more of like a, oh, we stumbled into this. We have to use this sample. Not a direct one. It's kind of one of those Kanye West type of samples where you're like, what? Where is that sampled? I don't hear it at all. But definitely not something that you would see with most Coldplay songs. They don't usually sample things. So this one's super interesting. The lyrics are a little all over the place. He's talking about a tyrant who's, you know, telling everybody what to do. And it kind of seems out of place with where the album is and kind of the whole message of the rest of the songs. But the guitar riff and the end of the song just hits so hard that it gives you a different kind of feeling, shows you that little glimpse of Coldplay, that rock Coldplay, where you've only seen it a couple of times, maybe in politic or, um, you know, if you've seen them live, it comes across in ways that never come out on the album where you realize like, oh, these guys can rock. They can be a rock band. They are a rock band. And this is a great example of that on the album. This is one of my favorite songs. Definitely not for everyone. The lyrics fall a little short, but it doesn't matter just because the instruments are so amazing. Like I said, kind of feels like a Muse song. And it's going to be one that's going to be amazing in a stadium, just going to sound incredible live. And I think that's kind of why it's included on here so they can play it on their upcoming stadium tour, which, like I said before, was kind of the message behind this album. They were building it to get back on tour again, to go back out there as they were creating all these songs during quarantine and during COVID where they weren't allowed to go and tour properly from their last album that they did. This is definitely a song that's going to be designed to get everybody jumping around uh, once they're on tour. Then we go to track eight, Beautiful, spelled a little bit differently. It kind of sounds like an alien singing in the beginning. They've hinted that that might be some voice that they're never going to tell who is singing in the beginning. Some people have theorized it's just Chris Martin's voice pitched way down or way up, I should say. And then Chris comes in. I think this song might have hit a little bit cooler if if that vocal in the beginning is actually Chris Martin. If they just kept it normal, I think the song would have been a lot prettier. I'm not sure I love the Alvin and the Chipmunks vocal effect. But if they did it to hide somebody like famous and maybe it becomes a cool little secret that's kind of cool. But this song's just a little catchy one. Not my favorite of the album, but definitely one of the ones that when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, this Alvin and the Chipmunks sounds kind of annoying. And now it's grown on me. It's really catchy. Probably not one that makes, you know, the set list. It's one that might get forgotten a little bit. But the strings behind it that they include and some of the other instruments, this song sounds just very different and unique, which again is another example of Coldplay using some different sounds that they had never used before. So I give him credit for that. And I like this one just because of how different it is, even though it might not be my favorite. Um, track nine, Music of the Spheres 2, that's another little interlude. And that's basically a thing played backwards that I think it's saying, ladies and gentlemen, like, um, welcome to the show. And remember, we are all aliens somewhere, which again is like I was talking about just the idea behind this album. Probably, you know, some little idea they had of, again, imagining this album being played live, kind of an intro, and they change it up to make it sound alien because there's a very heavy space theme of this album. Then we go right into track 10, the massive hit, My Universe, the huge collaboration with BTS, the biggest band in the world. Um, has been hit number one in the US charts, which Coldplay hasn't done since Viva La Vida. Absolutely smash hit. Some people were complaining, why the heck are they 
collaborating with BTS, you know, a K-pop band that makes no sense. BTS, obviously, when you, you're somebody that big, gets a lot of love and hate. BTS deserves all of the love and none of the hate. Their production for some of their songs, even if you don't know what they're saying in Korean or you're not into K-pop, is amazing. Um, their songs are really, really catchy as well. Don't just kind of, you know, view them as this well, K-pop, whatever, sugary thing over there. They're actually really, really good and have amazing talent and some of their songwriting and they do things in a way that express themselves in ways that other k-pop artists don't and talk about you know real things and real issues and that's why they've gotten so big because they're not afraid to be emotionally vulnerable in their lyrics much the same way that coldplay is so this collaboration came together there's tons of youtube videos on it because of course you know bts documents everything and i at first i was a little skeptical as well, just like everybody else, but this song, I love it from start to finish. The dance break at the end sounds amazing, just makes you want to move, which is what music is supposed to do, right? And the rest of the lyrics maybe a little bit corny here or there, but it's a simple message, you know, being with somebody that other people tell you you shouldn't be, you know, that kind of Romeo and Juliet idea. And I think they hit it perfectly. The song is going to be on the radio. It's going to be around for a while, going to sound great live, whether maybe BTS plays it at their shows as well, but Coldplay concert. This is going to be one of the highlights of the show. I can just imagine the production that goes into this one and the just the vocals of Jungkook's part and um, Sugar rapping. There's a rap break on a Coldplay song in Korean. Just the uniqueness of the song is so, so cool that kind of makes it set apart from anything else Coldplay has done, anything else that's really been done, period. I don't think BTS has had a collaboration in this kind of way for all the people that they have collaborated with. I really, really like this song, even though it is so poppy and produced. Track 11, Infinity Sign, another instrumental. This one goes on for a while, mixes in a little, the one of the catchiest chants in the world, the oh, soccer chant of ole, 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 which I think is from Spanish Rain or a couple snippets of Coldplay basically sampling themselves. There's a song they made a long time ago that they only played live a couple times, never released it. And they've transitioned to it, transitioned it into this type of thing, brought on John Hopkins again. And basically he did the whole digital production behind it, added all these digital instruments that they even, the guys from Coldplay said they wouldn't even know how to do or create those noises. So he kind of took a simple little snippet of a song they did before that live chant, something that's so unique and organic and made it super, super digital and kind of alien. Um, it does go on for a little bit. Maybe it could be a little bit shorter, but it is just kind of nice to listen to and one of the ones that actually does connect nicely. And then, of course, the album finisher, my favorite song. I think maybe one of the best songs Coldplay's ever done. It's 10 minutes long. Coloratura, a prog rock just anthem banger at the end, going to be amazing live. Not something you would expect from Coldplay at all. They're all about, they even admit to this, you know, they don't like to have albums that go past 50 minutes. They want songs that are, you know, four to five minutes. They're not, when songs are longer, it's usually a hidden track they threw on. It's definitely not a single they're releasing. And they released this one a little bit earlier, just put it out there being completely different. This is the one that apparently Max Martin had very little to do with, which shows because it's not a pop song. It's a 10 minute epic. And just, it's so, so Coldplay from the piano riffs, the even though it's different and something they've never done before, the sound of it is just, you blends in together the little guitar riffs, which kind of shows some of their back half of their catalog. The piano, just Chris singing along with it, shows, you know, kind of their earlier stuff. 
the little bit of the more depressing things that they got famous for. An amazing song from start to finish, even though some of the words are all like scientific names for planets and things like that. It's still an amazing song. Can't wait to hear it live, the whole 10 minutes of it. It's basically a third of this album or a fourth of this entire album, but completely deserves it. A great way to finish it. And I think definitely my highlight of the song of the album, definitely my favorite song from it. One of my favorite Coldplay songs ever, if I'm being honest, which kind of brings this album to another tier. Now, it's gotten a lot of mixed reviews right now on Metacritic, 57 out of 100. So not the best. Definitely, you kind of expected this. Anytime a band does something that slightly sounds a little bit more commercial, they're going to catch some flack for it. If you made me rank the nine Coldplay studio albums, though, in the beginning, I would have had this maybe only above a head full of dreams, but no, I think it's much better than that. The production's amazing. There's so many songs that make you feel something. I can't wait to hear them live, and that's the best part of Coldplay is going to see them in concert. So many of their songs are so much better live than they are on the album, and I can already tell there's like four or five from this one that's going to be that way. So if you made me rank them, I think I still Rush of Blood, of the, Rush of Blood to the Head is number one. Viva La Vida, number two. I think then I'd go... Milo Xylito 3, Parachutes 4, this one 5, Music of the Fears 5. So it's right in that middle tier of the nine albums. I think right now it's at 5. X and Y 6, then Ghost Story, then Everyday Life 7, Ghost Stories 8, and A Head Full of Dreams 9. That's really, really tough, and it shifts all the time depending on my mood or whatever. But this one is growing on me. Definitely going to be an amazing live tour. Hopefully you can go out there and see them. Uh, when they get back to it in 2022. And that's my quick little review of Music of the Spheres. Definitely, if you have any thoughts, I love to talk about Coldplay. You want to reach out to me. You need somebody to express your thoughts on this album too. Don't hesitate to do so. Hope you like that little review. And definitely go listen to this album. I can't recommend it enough, even though I'm really, really biased and Coldplay is the best. All right, so we welcome in a good friend, Luis Bronder from overseas, the German NFL superstar uh, to basically react to another week in the NFL, except you're not in Germany right now. Where are you right now? You're just a global um, jet setter. Where are you at right now? Yeah, man. First off, thanks for having me again. Pretty enjoyable here in your podcast. Um, so right now I'm in Turkey in training camp. Um, good weather, sun all over the place. Um, yeah, good vibes. Get a lot of training in right now. So yeah, Can't beat pretty that. good. Nothing like laying yeah. on the be- the Mediterranean beach, right? Or is it, which sea is it? I don't know where you're at in Turkey. It's like, um, oh man, I don't even know. <laughs> I didn't mean to put um, you on the spot. This is a geography quiz. This, you're here to talk about football. You're not here to talk about geography. So let's get to it. I'll start right off the bat. You can brag about your Cardinals. Go ahead. Last undefeated team. They go into Cleveland, knock out the Browns, not just knock them out. Both teams had a lot of injuries. The Cardinals had a lot of injuries as well. So really no excuse for, you know, Cleveland saying, oh, well, we didn't. Odell got hurt. Kareem got hurt. Nick Chubb was out. The Cardinals were dealing with a lot of injuries too, especially on the D-line. J.J. Watt shows up. Kyler Murray does what Kyler Murray does. So just go ahead. Go off. Brag about your your Redbirds, the one German Cardinals fan. You picked a good team. This is a good season for you, the last undefeated squad in the NFL. Yeah, of course, you love to see it. Uh, 6-0, and I mean, amazing. Last undefeated team, as you said. And yeah, of course, on both sides, um, there were some injuries. Um, like you said, Nick Chubb out of the game for the Browns, pretty bad. And um, mid-game, mid, mid game, um, Odell Beckham um, out with 
a pretty bad shoulder injury and Baker Mayfield, I think, also playing through yeah. some pain um, with his shoulder. But on the other side, you have to really mention that the Cardinals um, were in Cleveland without head coach Cliff Kingsbury, so no offensive play caller. Um, linebacker Jander Jones was out, uh, center Rodney Hudson, you saw that. Like uh, some snaps, um, some snaps from the new center didn't came. So um, I think Cardinals fumbled the ball almost like three times due to um, just bad snaps. Um, yeah, that's thing. That those are things that happened. But as you already said, defense showed up big time. Um, JJ Watt. Um, so yeah, it's just amazing. I mean, they really dominated the, that game again. Um, wasn't really a doubt about uh, Cardinals winning that thing. Um, and the Browns and I think the worst team going through the last five weeks, six weeks. So uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just happy. Everyone was like, uh, are the Cardinals for real? Are they really a contender or more like a pretender? And I mm -hmm. think right now, after 6-0, and you really can't say that, are, that they are for real, that they are contenders. And um, I'm excited what the season holds. Yeah, and going back to Cleveland, something's just cursed about that town. It's the Lake Erie curse. You look at, I, I've had this hypothesis for a little bit that something happened in the Lake Erie waters. They did some things, some bad things to the Native Americans that they ended up just cursing all of the teams there. You look at Detroit, Buffalo, and Cleveland, three just absolutely cursed franchises. Even when they're good, a team like Cleveland, this is probably the best team they've had in years. All of a sudden, they can't, Baker Mayfield turns back into the bad Baker Mayfield. He's looking like just turnover prone. Like you said, he was dealing with an injured shoulder, but some of the picks he threw were just terrible. Odell's dropping passes on fourth down again when he's supposed to be the, one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, Nick Chubb gets hurt. Kareem Hunt, who's an amazing backup, he gets hurt. Something's just cursed about this franchise. Even when they're supposed to be good, even when they are good, they still just can't get everything right. They lose, you know, to... Chad Henney in the Chiefs last season in the playoffs. It's just something always goes wrong for Cleveland because it's Cleveland. And we're seeing that a little bit early. And maybe you think, I don't know, they might be completely out of it, not be the team that we thought they were three and three where they're at with their injury concerns. It's going to be really hard. Maybe they end up in the wild card because it looks like the Ravens are going to take that division. But just coming out of the game, I think we learned a lot more about Cleveland than the Cardinals. Cause like you said, the Cardinals are stacked. They have probably the best right receiving core with, you know, Hopkins only getting three targets ends up with two touchdowns or three catches ends up with two touchdowns anyway. And if he's your number one option and you're still winning, scoring 37 points when he's only getting three catches, you know, the rest of the team is stacked. They've revitalized AJ green. Like we talked about Rondell Moore's a stud Christian Kirk's catching touchdowns. They just got Zach Ertz. Now it's going to be yeah, an upgrade and tight end. Bring that up. Yeah. So I want to bring that up, like that was the trade of the last week, Zach Ertz to, to the Cardinals. I think we talked about that earlier that week. Um, I already said I had some, I don't know, I had a, a bad feeling about um, the tight end position going into the season for the Cardinals. So um, with giving away Dan Arnold, who was pretty much the first tight end last year. Um, and But as I already said, Max Williams showed up big time, got some more workload and uh, got a job done unfortunately now out of the season and I really preach to all my friends, to everyone uh, that wanted to listen, like we got to bring Zach Ertz in, in off season or, already. Um, and now it happened. So I'm just, I'm just happy about that and excited what he's going to do in that offense uh, and that already loaded offense um, next week against the Texans uh, going to be a 
going to be a wild game, I think. Yeah, it's a great start for him. The Welcome to the Cardinals. You get to play the Texans. They're probably going to lie. If they lit up the Browns, who are playing, you know, pretty decently on defense, their D-line was a little banged up, but they scored 37 on the road against them. You can only imagine what they're going to do to that poor Texans defense. Now, the Cardinals, I think, coming out of that game, no more questions. Like you said, they're legit. We don't have to question them until maybe, you know, the NFC Championship or once it gets bigger stakes in the playoffs, that team's going to be around late in January. Browns, a lot of questions now. Maybe we're they're not the team that we thought they were, but it's one of those teams. This always happens to a couple of teams in the league. But you just have to stay healthy, let's you know? Not, let's not count them out too early. I think um, we talked about them last week. They played pretty well against the Chargers. Yeah, yeah as you already said. There's a there's a little curse on the Cleveland organization, <laughs> so uh, something something's happening there. But as we already mentioned, they are stacked. Um, if Baker uh, can find back to his to his form, throwing yeah. some good balls, um, don't turn the ball over too much. I mean, we saw that uh, yesterday. Like uh, one fumble was pretty unnecessary. Just go down. He wants to make some plays. He wants to be Kyler Murray. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Got hit from behind and got hit from behind and drops the ball and then some uh, interceptions he threw this, this season um, are also uh, pretty uh, pretty hard. But let's don't count them out too early. I mean, we got 17 games and um, I think they're still a playoff contender, as you already said, for the wild card one maybe. But they can do some great things, I think, and yeah, they got to keep the keep team together. Not too much injuries. Yeah, when I think I'm just a little, maybe a little bit back. quicker to count them out because my dad's from Cleveland and I've seen what happens with this team. I always expect them to lose and do the most Cleveland thing possible. When they won 10 <laughs> games last year, I was completely shocked. So let's go to another yeah. team that has a lot of questions surrounding it that maybe once we get to January, we're all going to look like fools for questioning them at all. And that is the Chiefs. They struggle with this Washington football team going to the second half, only up with score. Then Mahomes starts doing Mahomes things, doing his underhand pitches, throws a terribly ill-advised pass across his body across the field ends up in Tyreek Hill's hands and you start seeing okay this is some of the Chiefs things that are going on but he already has eight picks way it was basically like you know like you think you had a stat talking about his interceptions as well not something that we're used to seeing from Patrick Mahomes and the defense is absolutely atrocious they're just lucky that they went up against the dismal team that is Washington and Tyler Heineke or Taylor Heineke kept a minute but he's definitely not leading an offense that can take a lot of take advantage of a lot of defensive holes. So the Chiefs looked a little bit better. That final score is a little deceiving. Definitely a lot of questions surrounding this Chiefs team. So I ask you, Luis, give me that stat you had about Patrick Mahomes. And should we be questioning the Chiefs or is this all much to do about nothing? Kansas City is going to figure it out because they have Patrick Mahomes and we should all just shut up. So yeah, the pretty interesting stat I just read today. Um Patrick Mahomes threw 15 interceptions on his last 15 starts. Uh, that's pretty that's pretty hard stuff, I think, to take for a guy like like Mahomes. Um yeah, I think the biggest the biggest weakness of the team is the defense. Um they are not showing up. I mean, you got Tyron Matthew performing, um, but the rest of the defense uh, you saw it against the Washington football team uh, with with offense not that loaded enough to to really to really be able to hurt um, a team like like Kansas City, but they did, and yeah, so the defense pretty pretty trashy. I think um, for the game, um, Travis Kelsey always got also got hurt. Um, he was out for a couple of plays. Um, yeah, I think 
Mahomes is lucky to have a guy like Tyreek um, always, um, yeah, um, a guy who can he rely on. But I think uh, if, if we if we don't worry, uh, I think they should really worry about what they what they're doing right now. Um, and I ca- I honestly can't see that uh, that's a Super Bowl run that year for for the Chiefs. Um, they gotta fix fix a lot of problems they have right now. Um, yeah, so it would be pretty surprising if they if they make it far in the playoffs. I think. Yeah, and you talk about that division too. The Chargers go across the country. They lay a lay uh, an egg against the Ravens, but that's kind of a West Coast early start. You know, they're playing nine a.m. their body time, whatever. Not the best circumstance for them. Um, the but they're still a legit team. You like what Justin Herbert's been doing all season. They've been staying pretty healthy. I know Mike Williams. They really missed him. He tried to get out there, didn't finish the game. Uh, but they look like a really good team to compete with the Chiefs. The Raiders fire John Gruden or make him resign, whatever you want to call it. I mean, all, honestly, honestly fired, fired, fired John Gruden, man. Honestly, let's let's make that up right now. I mean, how can you? I mean, he got he got a contact uh, that contact extension right after those emails came out. So I I don't know. Uh, I mean, the Raiders really got some of that. Yeah, I don't know, bad boy image or something like that. <laughs> but uh, but that's too much. Like, how can how can that guy walk, walk in a locker room um, full of players from different races, different ethics, and uh, get respected by them? Like after after what he what he put out in the world through that email. So um, I don't know how you can we can stand there as a as an organization and and back this guy up. So disgusting. Yeah. And they did get rid of him. You know, they pretty much, like you said, even if they wanted to stand behind him, they didn't really come out against him. They kind of just made him leave because they had no other choice because of the public pressure. And, but they come out and they win. As you see, sometimes when the team fires its coach, they kind of rally around whatever pretty good, not really comeback. They got out to a huge lead, almost kind of gave it away. The Broncos get a crazy onside kick at the end of that one, but definitely I think they're better than Denver is Denver. That hot start was really just against teams who are really bad. So you look at that AFC West. I think the chiefs, like you said, have their work cut out for them. They'll still, if you made me pick right now, I think they probably still win the division. Maybe that's some recency bias off of what the chargers just did. But if you made me pick, I don't know what your choice would be. Maybe you're leaning LA, but I would think the chiefs still pull out that AFC West. What about you? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm pretty much leaning LA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that game, that game against the Ravens last night, uh, that wasn't <laughs> their best. Obviously, um, that wasn't the best football they can play. But you can you can expect like, um, especially from a second year quarterback to to put on a three hundred yard game every week. So um, yeah, offense looked pretty bad, defense looked pretty bad. Um, but I think all in all, they are they are still better than what the Chiefs are showing. Um, the last couple of weeks now. And I, I really, I really think they, they take that division. Yeah. And that's a solid pick. The record wise, they're already behind the eight ball. So let's move to another LA team that went across the country. Of course they played the giants and I'm talking about the Rams here. And that's a lot easier of a matchup than going to the Ravens, but the Rams seem to have no problem with the early kick. They turned Daniel Jones back into the turnover machine that he used to be. Of course, to be fair to Dan Jones, he's got no Saquon. He's got no receivers. His whole team is decimated. Maybe he shouldn't have even been out there. 
he's playing through his own injuries, but the Rams just demolish him. And if this defense plays like they did on Sunday, turning him over four times, holding them to basically three points, they scored, you know, a garbage time touchdown, the two point conversion at the end to get to that awkward score, got me 38, 11. The final score was even, you know, closer than it should have been. And it wasn't close at all. And if this Rams defense plays like this, I think the Rams might be the favorite in the NF- in the NFC right now, even though, you know, your Cardinals are, are up there there's, and they beat the Rams. I think those are the top two teams in that conference. And I just lean the Rams. If, you know, we get to the playoffs a little bit more experienced, Matthew Stafford has some not really playoff experience, but definitely is a more veteran savvy than Kyler Murray does. Uh, than Kyler Murray has in his past, but like I said, we it's the Rams, you know, it's not like Sean McVay. He gets them to the playoffs, got him to the one Super Bowl, and had a terrible coaching experience there. So maybe all this veteran things I'm t- telling in my head aren't really true, and they're kind of right up there in the same boat as the Cardinals. But I was really, really impressed with what the Rams did, even if it was against the Giants. Um, is that kind of a fluke, you think, because of who they played, or is this Rams team basically what we saw against Tampa and maybe one of the leading contenders in the league? No, as you said, I really think they um, got back on track against the Giants. Um, the defense showed up. I think Rams, they got first pick of the season. Aaron Donald doing just Aaron Donald things, like pass rush really clicked for turnovers. Um, that's pretty impressive. And another thing I really want to mention is that, um, yeah, that Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup connection is back. Um, I think yeah. that was the third, that was the third, um, game for Cooper Cup with multiple uh, reception touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty impressive stat. Um, so, yeah, I think offense, offense working again. Defense, uh, Sonny Michel, I think um, a pretty good factor now in the running game of the Rams. Um, yeah, no, I think um, when it comes down to to winning the division, I, I, I honestly see the Cardinals a little bit in front of the Rams. But of course, um, the Rams got those playoff um, playoff experience and the Super Bowl experience. Um, but on the other side, the Cardinals brought in so much so much experience, like um, true players like yeah, JJ Watt, Zach Ertz. Now all all impressive players with um, with a lot of um, playoff experience. So. I don't think that's going to be a big problem because the, the locker room of the Cardinals will be prepared for those games when it comes down to playoff games. Um, so I think it's a pretty close call and I'm really looking forward um, to win this NFC whole thing that year. Yeah, and then another team in the NFC that looks amazing so far is the Cowboys. Their offense is a lot of fun to watch. They're running the ball. Dak Prescott's not afraid to throw it on first down. He's finding another incredible receiving core, CeeDee Lamb and Cedric Wilson and Don Schultz out of nowhere has become a reliable tight end. And that game just went absolutely, it was drunk at the end in the fourth quarter against the Patriots, the missed kicks, the huge long touchdowns, um, the pick six from Diggs, And then he goes right back and gives up the touchdown, makes the game winning play, then gives up the game winning play. We go to overtime, but I was really, really impressed with what the Cowboys have done so far. And I think they're up in that upper echelon as well, that belong in the conversation with the Rams and the Cardinals, um, those three teams are leading the NFC might be the three best teams in the entire league, especially the struggles we've seen from, uh, the, excuse me, the struggles we've seen from the chiefs and then what the Ravens are doing, but they had a lot of close calls. And then what the chargers just did makes you take a little bit step back on them that I think if you made me rank 
those are the top three teams in the league. Maybe Tampa's in that second tier right behind them as well. But I was really impressed with what Dallas did. I don't know if you caught the end of that game, but that just the finish was absolutely insane. What do you think of the Cowboys so far? Yeah, I think the Cowboys uh, got the closest in years to really being damn boys. Um, <laughs> as, as the fans would love to see it. Um, but yeah, I think they are pretty much a contender. They're playing great football. Um, I mean, everything is based on the health situation of Dak Prescott. But mm-hmm. as long as he can stay healthy and putting up those numbers, making those throws, I mean, his accuracy is like his arm is amazing. And it's, it's beautiful to watch. In the game against the Patriots, you also have to give a lot of credit, I think, to to Mac Jones. I mean, he he has a rookie quarterback. He managed uh, he managed he's able to manage that team pretty well. Um, so it was a it was a nasty game, especially in the fourth quarter, as you already said. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Cowboys are a real contender. They're playing some great football. They they're showing off every week, um, and so that. That makes the NFC even more exciting. I think it's, it's, it's yeah, it's just exciting to watch. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. also with the with, with the with the Buccaneers, for example, who got their win on Thursday night against the against the Eagles, um, doing a pretty good job. So it's yeah, just, it's a loaded loaded NFC side. And yeah, as much as we talked about all the good teams, as we wrap it up here some of the best part of the NFL is the comedy and how every year there's just terrible, terrible teams. And we've seen it now when they move the extra point back so many missed kicks. We talked about it last week with the debacle that was the Packers and Bengals. We see it again happening. You know, the Cowboys miss a potential game winner. The same thing happens, you know, some missed kicks in the Vikings and a Panthers game. It's just comical what happens in this league. And then of course the, the trash Florida bull that was, our export to London. Here you go. Have the Dolphins and Jaguars. One combined win from the two of them. The Jags finally break their streak with a two sets finally, of 50, 50 yard kicks. One that was hooked in from five yards out. So what was your favorite of the bad from this week, Luis? The bad teams. We talked a little bit about it. Maybe it's the kicking or just watching Urban Meyer have another heart attack and the Jags finally <laughs> end their streak. What was your favorite from the bad teams? Coming from uh, yeah, I mean, what is it, seven now, six, six? Yeah, I mean, uh, there also was a lot of a lot of great stuff to mention. So let's start with um, with the Panthers Vikings game where I texted you uh, right before overtime, man, another missed field goal. That that's 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 amazing. How much overtime we get this year due to just missed field goals. Um, we need those European second league guys, second league footballers yeah. to come overseas, save our kicking. Hey, let's let's give it a try. <laughs> I mean, they 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 uh, worse than missing a field goal. You can't get worse than that. So exactly. So let's let's go. Um, yeah, but for me, the, really the story of the week was uh, the first win for Trevor. Um, it's it's important for a guy like him. Like he knows he got some talent. Everyone knows that, and uh, no one will write him off of after a season like that. But I think, um, yeah, just. Just giving something back to the fans. Um, it's a little, a little. Um, the the hot seat of Urban Meyer got a little colder. Yeah. Um, just getting that one win. Um, that's. Um, I think it's really important. Yeah. Uh, and another thing I really want to mention is the it's a second blowout in two weeks for the for the Texans against the Colts. <laughs> Man, that that that's terrific. I don't know what they are doing. Um, 
the Sean Watson probably sitting there and I don't know, I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> just get me, just get me out of here. Just trade me like I don't care. Um, somewhere else. Um, that's I don't know, uh the Texans. Yeah, and but I'm really looking forward to the next week when the Texans play the Cardinals. Um yeah, and then they get the Rams one. after that. So it's only gonna get worse for Houston. It's it's it's, it's only gonna get worse. So um yeah, as I said, uh, oh, there was were some yeah, pretty pretty bad moments for some bad teams in the league. Um, but my moment of the week pretty much was that win. Finally for Trevor Lawrence, I think he deserves that. Um going through some shit the last weeks and yeah, now just getting that W, I think, really really helps him. It really shows just how bad the Dolphins are as well. And the state of Florida, the state of football in Florida, aside from Tom Brady, our college teams all stink. If you look at our big seven uh, FBS schools, they all have a losing record in their last 10 games. Florida's supposed to be the best at football. We're the best at high school football, best recruits, best talent. And all of a sudden, all of our teams suck. I don't know what's going on down here. But I agree with Florida, Florida. Pretty hard time for Florida for yeah. fans. That's right. It's okay. At least it's sunny and like eighty degrees in October. So we have we have our perks. Yeah. yeah. All right, Luis. Appreciate this recap. Definitely gonna keep it going throughout the season. Uh, maybe we turn this into like we've talked about tease our own little football podcast across the seas. But really yeah, appreciate the time. Enjoy enjoy the Turkish baklava. Go enjoy the the sunny sunny beaches over there and have a good time at training camp. Appreciate you joining me, man. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun as always. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to another edition. We'll definitely talk some more football with Luis down the road and rate, subscribe, review, do all those fun things. Tell your friends and appreciate you supporting the podcast. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube